Hello and welcome to the Nod. Ant laughs every time we do this. Uh, a mindful, directly at a mindful motorcycle podcast. It's like working with chimps. Once again, we will be diving into the archives of our own adventures, well, mostly Charlie's, and experiences, catching up on recent goings on in the bike world, and welcoming another guest into the now infamous den of egos, which is here. As we venture through the rich world of bike culture, we will delve into themes of well-being and mental health as we look to normalise and empower conversations and action. I am still Ben Bowers, I think. It's been one of those weeks. Uh, And you are Charlie Borman. And you... You're Anthony Partridge. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. 40 years? Ish. 45 almost. 45. Not, no, he's no so much hair. older. No gray hair. That's Not one. Hair. That's because you do, You mustn't... Yeah, I think you've got to stop dying now. It's just... <laughs> uh, for this week's episode, we're going back to school. Not old school cool, but new school children's TV. It's still cool. It's still cool, yeah. Just to establish that. (laughs) So we say a big welcome to the host and star of hit CBBC show, Grace's Amazing Machines. It's Grace Webb. Hi. Hey, Grace. Hey, Grace. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) You'll recognise this because it's off your website. Uh, Raised in the Lincolnshire countryside. I wrote that. Grace is Grace. <laughs> True Lincoln girl. <laughs> you, you wrote your own bio in your website. It's so hard. It's so hard. Uh, Grace is from a family of motorsport enthusiasts and is the granddaughter of Donington Park Race Circuit founder Tom Wheatcroft. Does that get you free track days? No. <laughs> free to watch, yeah. Grace's love of motorsport led to her first television appearance as an interviewer on Motors TV for the popular motorcycle championship Thundersport GB. Ooh. Is that still going? Well, it was, was it? loads of different categories, oh, literally from 125s to 1000s. And they are still going, but I don't think it's televised like it was, it was several yeah. years ago. Yeah. But you can still go and ride with Thunderspot. It's like a support series for BSP for a while. Well, it did do support races for MotoGP in the past. But again, I don't think they've done that for a while. I would put it as just below... BSB. So if you if you want to progress from like mini motos or metric oh, kits or something there. like that, it's kind of like a step before BSB mm. if you manage to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, not many do. Whilst Grace was filming for Motors TV, uh, she also studied for a degree in primary education. You were a teacher for a while, weren't you? And then deputy yes. head. Yes. Deputy yeah. head. Grace's amazing machines sees Grace introduce preschool audiences and their parents, to some of the biggest, fastest and most amazing machines in the world. Very true. Such a cool job. <laughs> Such a cool it's job. It's not even a job, is it, really? It's not really. It's just playing with yeah. toys. I'm so <laughs> I'm jealous of... Grace recently took on the role of consumer EV presenter on the latest series of Fifth Gear Recharged. See what they did there. Very mm. clever. Very clever. Mm. Use of words. Mm. Is it still on Channel 5? Uh, Discovery Channel. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here, Grace. Thanks. Uh, so much 
to get into. But I'd love to wind the clock back a little bit and, and because everybody knows Donington Racetrack and, yeah. and, and, and he used to have that bridge, that was it the yeah, railway the bridge or the bridge. dialogue? Yeah, well, so on my mum's side, my grandfather, so my mum's dad, is Tom Wheatcroft and that just meant that our family was inevitably going to be surrounded by engines and racetracks and so quite often as a kid we'd go to Donington and you know we'd have our own suite to overlook the track and it it was kind of just normal when you're a kid and it's only now when I've got older that I I realise now the scale of what my grandfather achieved Mm. but yeah so that just meant that you know my first live races were watched at Donington and particularly my first ever MotoGP race I watched at Donington. And I think that probably lit the fire in me to to love bikes because the noise of, what, 20-plus MotoGP bikes going around the same corner just, like, rattles your body and must do something to your heart because it's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so that's kind of it in a nutshell that I, I was born into a, a motorsport family and, and my father's an engineer and has been for years and years. Dad's worked from home for a long time, so there's always been a dyno running or engines firing up, tools everywhere. It's just always been in the family. The first motorcycle race I ever saw was in Donington. Oh, was and, it? And I remember, I remember the friend of mine, Kaz, he took me along. And I came in and I think it was, it was Muddy, I can't remember what it was, Muddy GP or British Superbikes. I can't remember. And I remember walking in, I remember seeing these people going around and it was the only time in my life that I thought, I've missed my vocation. I should have been... <laughs> I should have done this, you know, and, what, and racing, um, racing, yeah. And I just, yeah. and I was by by that side. By that time, I was too old, and, and mm. you know, it was it was already passed me by. But mm. for the so, punter, mm. uh, Donington is, is incredible. Watching, yeah. I mean, the amount of times I've on a Sunday with a hangover have fallen asleep <laughs> on the bank, looking down. Is it is it the 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 crane of curves yeah. going down and, and sitting there. Actually, I woke up one time and there were there was like six empty beer cans on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but that was my memory. Sorry. So Go for ahead. those that don't know any of our listeners, Tom Wheatcroft, your grandfather, what was his background? How did he end up creating Donington? See, he was kind of just a bit of a, a Jack the Lad. So when... He was a youngster. He would go to Donington to watch races, but obviously back then it was not how it is today with all the fancy tarmac and buildings and everything and security was a lot less. So he would often jump the fence and just go to watch the races and and he fell in love with it. And he was a bit of a businessman and would make his money by doing deals and eventually the the track came up for sale and that it racing w- wasn't there any longer so he took it over designed it had all the flooring put in and it was his input is how we know it today right. so mm. that's kind of where that founder title comes from because he he designed the track and put it all the foundations in you come from sort of kind of quite a petrol heady kind of family mm. don't you i mean yeah so 
obviously just being around engines and the like, the kind of focus for racing was sort of put on my younger brother. So he he went into racing mini motos and metric kits and I was probably about... 12, 13 at the time that he did that. I'm only a couple of years older than him, so I would always go along to the race meetings. And at the time, it was a bit like, I just want to be hanging out with my friends. And it was a bit of an inconvenience that your little brother was uh, taking your weekends away. But it didn't take long before I then just fell in love with the whole racing community because it's it's your Thursday to Sunday is taken up with this race weekend because you're loading up and packing the van you travel into the circuit and and I loved that just traveling around and visiting all the different circuits and then the more and more I got into it the more involved I'd get in the garage in terms of like I'd do his pit board or change his tires or swap wheels or whatever would need doing It got to a point where I was like, I really want to give this a go. But I've never, never raced, never competed. I would have liked to, but I think the investment was put into my little brother at the time. I sort of expressed an interest in it a bit, a bit later. But it gave me the fire to want to get my bike license and ride on the road as soon as I could, because that meant I could get out on my own. Yeah. I mean, we'd ride bikes and stuff at home, but it was always borrowing whatever my little brother had. Whereas if I had my own bike license and my own bike, I'd go out and, and do what I want. When did you get your license? As soon as I could, 17. Yeah, yeah. Um, and annoyingly, because I'm an August birthday, so I really wanted to turn up to school on uh, a moped. September, yeah. But because I turned 16 after leaving school, whereas if you turn 16 in the September, you mm. could take your CBT and turn up to school mm. on a moped. Uh, right. And you were like the coolest kid ever if you did that. <laughs> but yeah, I remember getting my first scooter and just like, there's no feeling like it when you're just able to hop on and go wherever you want. You've got the freedom. And like I said, I, I took that before doing my, my car license. Like I say, growing up in Lincolnshire, Everything's miles away. Everything's like, miles away. Rather so, pedaling your bike or, or waiting yeah, for your parents to drive you somewhere. Right? Even the nearest bus stop was like two miles away from our house. So you had to get a lift to the bus stop. So I was desperate to to take my car and bike license. How did you then get your gig interviewing, you know, motorcycle riders and stuff? Was yeah. that through your brother or or well, I suppose so, yeah, because so he raced for Thundersport mm. and I obviously went with him to every round and they were looking to televise the series and they they wanted a presenter to kind of introduce the show and then speak to the riders afterwards. So they were like, right, who, who, who can we ask who kind of knows a bit about who's in the paddock mm. and knows a bit of what's going on? And they're like... Oh, we'll ask Grace. <laughs> so it, they they just said, you know, do you fancy giving it a go and speaking to a few people? And I was always speaking to people anyway because I wasn't riding. So that's kind of how I would spend my time watching mm. the races and then going to chat to people. It's just that this time I bought a camera and a microphone with me. 
I did that for about two years. So did that, and you know, I, I was I was quite comfortable because I, I think I'm quite a chatty person, and I'll speak to anyone anyway. I think it was the people I were in, who I was interviewing were more nervous than me. So I was studying for a degree in primary education. Went on to be a teacher for a few years. Um, with and and kind of had forgotten about the footage of me at Thundersport. So mm. that was on the depths of YouTube somewhere because then about six years, maybe more than that later, a producer from the BBC said that they were looking for a presenter for their Amazing Machine series wow. and they'd come across a clip of me presenting at Thundersport and it was only because someone else had uploaded a clip of me interviewing them on their YouTube channel and whatever else. And the funny thing is, is because I was a teacher, when you're a teacher, you you don't have a life outside of school. <laughs> you you sleep at school and you eat at school and, you know. Yeah, so literally that came about because someone had seen that clip online and was that so, a show yeah, so, you were aware of? Was it on no, your radar? No, because I, I don't have children. Because she's a teacher and, and she doesn't have a life and she doesn't yeah. have time to watch school. <laughs> working so because if she's wor- not working with the kids, she's oh, exactly, ticking, Charlie. ticking, with, yeah, and putting red little gold stars on, on honey glass of those days. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but because I didn't have social media, <laughs> from what the producer tells me, I was very hard to track down because they had no way of contacting me. Um, well, good for him to to keep going. Yeah, I mean, and he did, and he contacted someone at Thundersport, who then contacted me to say, oh, "Producer from the BBC's trying to get in touch with you." I was saying, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Um, and then turns out it it was legit, and uh, followed it up. <coughs> I've, I've been waiting test, for the Spielberg. The I've been waiting for Spielberg to contact me <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> Just, yeah. Well, you never know <laughs> because the thing is, this came out of the blue yeah. when. I was least expecting it, and, and I was it probably you, most you, needed you, you, it. You grabbed with with yeah with, with, because with both ha- both hands or the show had been on for one series already, mm. and that presenter decided to leave. So I went on BBC iPlayer when they said, you know, this is the nature of the show. If you want to have a look at it, and it's like the coolest thing ever. And it was like, like, oh, is this the kind of thing you'd be interested in? And it's like. Hell yeah! Like there's aeroplanes and so the trucks premise, and the, all the premise stuff. of the show is you playing with any machine you can presenting, get your hands on. presenting. Sorry, playing. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you take machines and then you show, explain them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- each episode has a theme. So it might be that all the machines are to do with building or all the machines are to do with flying or whatever. And we will go to wherever this machine is and get shots of it and sort of me explaining sort of key features about it and then giving it a go myself. It is literally the best job ever because the crew are amazing. They... You know, I just turn up. They're the ones that are organising it all, putting it all into place. Don't tell people Um, that. I'll get rumbled. (laughs) Jeez. Although sometimes I'll, like, if something pops up on the internet that is an amazing machine, I'll always forward it to the producer and be like, "Uh, this looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So what's some of your 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 favorite machines you've you've had a go in then? Probably the motorbikes to be honest because the presenter before was a rally driver so she did a lot of car things whereas the bikes only came about when I joined the show mm-hmm. so it was quite nice that that was sort of put in for me yeah and I remember one of the first filming days we did so I'd, I'd left my teaching job at this point because this opportunity came up and we do a lot of our filming at Anglesey. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but it's yeah. like the most beautiful track ever because it overlooks the sea. Yeah, and it's really just the most scenic. It's, it's a great spot. We yeah. filmed a few episodes down there. We turn up to Anglesey with the track to ourselves. It's a gorgeous day. You know, this, the sun's out. It's a lovely temperature. And out rolls the back of this van, the the brand new S1000R BMW. Like, right, this is the amazing machine today, so you're just going to have a ride around the track and you talk about it. And I'm just like, is this for real? (laughs) And what had been your your riding history up to that point? Obviously a scooter at 17. Yeah. But how had your riding progressed in the interim years? Ride been riding for like 10 years since then but kind of hopping on and off different bikes really so since got a scooter but then my first bike bike was I had a Yamaha YZF125 which I loved because it looked so sporty kind of a natural progression black had gold wheels I literally <laughs> loved everything about it and at this point though I was wearing like all my mum's hand-me-down stuff <laughs> like her old leathers and stuff like that um so I kind of wanted to to progress to a bigger bike so I then got a Suzuki GSXR 750 oh yeah. great bike that's a step up it, well, I had four of those it was, crashed all of them <laughs> <laughs> oh Luckily, it didn't crash mine. Most of Charlie's uh, bike stories end yeah. with crashing. Those, by the way, yeah. so. it was restricted when I first got it, and then eventually, yeah, took the restriction off it. I could, these the, the bikes that I had because I was still studying at uni at the time. I couldn't afford my own bike, so these were all bikes that mum and dad chipped in for, or I'd like borrow my old gorgeous older parents you have yeah. Yeah. Them. it's like yeah yeah we're, we're chipping some money for a G6R 750 <laughs> that you know that that's, does 180 miles an hour and, might yeah. destroy you know, yeah. our family fabulous I mean they are literally the best um, but I think as well because a lot of investment had gone into my brother's racing they were a bit like, oh, uh, what, what bike do you want, Grace? Were, were, you, were you pushing that <laughs> to go Yeah, just giving you, well, you know, you bought it for my brother. Yeah. <laughs> Good angle. A bit of that. Good angle. Good angle. I like um, that. Yes, yeah, so I had the 750 and then, yeah, I was kind of borrowing my older brother's bikes and, and but he's one for not keeping things for very long. So he'd buy stuff, I'd borrow it, he'd sell it. And then it got to the point where I was in full-time work. So I'm like, right, I'm going to buy my own bike. What should I buy? I don't. There's too many bikes. That I don't. This was I don't as know. a school teacher yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so wow, you must be the coolest school teacher in the world. Up <laughs> in leathers and on a motorbike, I would have just fallen over and just wanted to marry you straight away. I remember actually showing because I I often do a few track days when I was teaching and like attach a GoPro to the bike and stuff. And I remember showing my class like clips on the bike and they they just loved it literally loved it because they love machines they love anything mm. that makes that kind of noise um 
at the time, my younger brother was racing an R6 and he was like, an R6, it's the best thing ever. This is what you need. It was good at the time. So So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll get an R6. And I didn't keep it for very long because I don't think it was the bike for me. I took it on a few track days and just the tank was so wide and it felt so tall and and it it was just so quick that it felt like the bike was taking Mm. me for a ride rather than I was riding the bike. Simon Crayfart, the ex-MotoGP rider, he won a 500 race today, but he's now the uh, interviewer of MotoGP. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's got a great voice. Lovely man. He runs track days uh, in northern Spain and he swears or he swore by the R6 mm. as the best track bike until he climbed on that 765 Moto G- Moto 2 bike that we all rode. That was a good bike. He climbed on that and went, when That's can I guy. have a I know, I know. Well, that was the Triumph. Uh, you know when Triumph launched, launched the, Moto the, the Moto 2 engine? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, they built a, a bike to so that people could have a ride of it and have experienced the engine and yeah. stuff. And I remember we went with Damon Hill. You remember it? The thing I remember going around and, and just thinking it was just laughing at me. Mm. Yeah, mm. it was just going. Yeah, yeah. this is what you got. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, unbelievable. I felt embarrassed <laughs> as a rider to be on it. Yeah, you looked, you yeah. looked embarrassed. I was embarrassed for yeah. you. I know what you mean, though. I mean, I've not ridden that bike, but that's kind of how I felt about the R6. Yeah. Like it was just too much. And, and I don't doubt that it's a brilliant bike. It just wasn't no, but, for but, me. But that's the whole point about bikes. That's why you have Yamahas and yeah, Kawasaki's yeah. and Yam and Hondas and, mm. and whatever because because it, yeah. it is yeah. and part of owning a bike is 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 the look. I mean you talk about your little 125 mm. black with the gold rims. You know that's what you remember mm. and 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 visually it is. For me the G6R 750s for me were my favorite sports yeah, bikes yeah. because yeah. they were and the Strad the one with the bubble back yeah. was just uh, because you, you you've got to look at it and love it yeah. before you it's get like on the, it. The the, yeah. the 750 Ninjas when they came out the the green Ninja white and blue with yeah, the two the, Ram Air pipes that went Kawasaki into the tank. Never never did it for me. I, I, mm. and I was never when I was 13. That was the that was the yeah. bike for us when they came out because it had the biggest back <gasps> tire on it. That, what about the Yamaha the, 750 that they brought out? What was that 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 the slingshot one? The Noriega Haga one that was the superbike version. Mm. You need to have one of everything. You need a touring bike that you can do thousands of miles. Agree. You need Agree. an enduro bike. You need a bike for the track, and you mm-hmm. need a city, you know, bar hopper. Yeah. I have, well, I have that bike. Yeah, it's right. called a multi strata. I agree. That's why that adventure bike section, mm. you know, from Does the so G6Rs, well. mm. uh, from the GSs to the to the Tenere's, is so successful because if you can only if you can afford only one bike, mm. then that will literally do everything. Mm. You know. So anyway. Yeah. So when you when you when they pulled that that thousand RR your your crew because that that was the first time you're getting on a bike they almost have thought yeah. oh, can she actually do it yeah and, and, yeah and the, the, I, how, how was that because you must have just smashed it out of the park I remember feeling extremely nervous because you know I've turned up saying. I'm a I motorbike rider. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is the first it's time. All talk. Yeah, because yeah. we, we'd filmed a couple of times before that, but not a bike. And, you know, this is supposed to be my forte. But literally, I, I'm a girl with a bike license. That was kind of the credentials that I turned up with. Again, the reason I got rid of that R6 was I, I had a crash at Anglesey on it. And after that, I was like, nope, I'm getting rid of this bike. It's not for me. So 
I think the last time I'd rode at Anglesey was when I came off. So you had that going on as well. So there was just a bit of everything. (laughs) Let's be honest, TV TV people kind of throw you in the deep end. They're like, oh yeah, just just do this. And they ask you to do things that you'd probably go, I probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. They were very good. They're always, you know, looking out for my best interests and, you know, my safety. But so they it, just strapped it, you on a thousand hour It was like, she knows what she's doing and it's yeah. fine. But to be honest, I didn't, wasn't going to let anything defeat me because I was like, this is such an amazing opportunity and like that bike had just come out as well. So I was like, this is incredible. And so, yeah, I did feel nervous, but just the happiness of the whole day overtook that though. Yeah. yeah. And eventually we filmed more and more bikes after that and I got more comfortable. We've done four series now and the crew are starting to learn how I am and how competitive I am and if I'm not happy with my own performance because, like I say, I I want to do every machine justice and some you know we've we've delved into different styles of riding like we've filmed a trials bike and we've filmed a speedway bike and sometimes I think it's like oh well it's a motorbike so you know you know what you're doing it's fine I'm like it's a completely different discipline like speedway and trials speedway oh my gosh was that full GP speedway yes because we've we've dirt tracked yeah. Flat tracked, but not epically. That didn't go so well for us. <laughs> uh, Televised I've, I've, I've as done, well. I've that was a speedway, and and um, and it's 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 not. Um, it's, 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 it's very difficult. It's very different. And plus the fact you have to go as fast as you possibly can down the straights, and then yes. throw the throttle off, and then chuck yourself into a yeah. corner yeah. with no front brake. Yeah, everything we film is done in a day. So yeah, it's usually by the end of, end of the afternoon. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm feeling it now. It's starting to click, and then the director will go. He's already right, got it in it. the can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, and I'm like, no, <laughs> we need to just, just need a few more shots because I'm getting yeah. it now. But did you um, did you ever feel there's this big shift now? You know, in the past, it was all, all that kind of television. Everything is, is quite male dominated, and and now there's a there's a real shift to female presenters. And because you, I'm, I'm sure you've been part of that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's always great to see more and more female presenters and female riders. It'd be great to see more females on the grid. Well, there's the W Series now, isn't there, in, in Formula One? Yeah, so it's nice to see that in, in cars, but even in bikes. Well, we have it's... we have Anna Carrasco, Carrasco out in Moto3 Moto three, three again now. Yeah, doing, she? She's yeah. doing all right, actually. Yeah. She fell. I well, think, that's the, the fact race. there's one to name. Tells you everything, but yeah, there's yeah. one out of one out of, you know, like 150 riders on yeah. the grid of the first. But at least, we, at least we, we, but we know her, which is a good. Yeah, thing. but yeah. then again, I feel that's even more pressure because more eyes are on. Yeah, of course, because yeah. you're yeah. the one female. Well, and there's, and there's no, there's no in in all of that, the Spanish schools and the mm. Italian schools and the British schools coming up promoting riders mm. is. Yeah. Did you find it frustrating when you first? gone into into television or was it a different ride for you because you know they came seeking you not really because like I say I feel like I've been very fortunate with the people that I've worked with mm. and doing amazing machines has been brilliant for inspiring and getting away any stereotypes or whatever that women can't do this or there's not many women doing that um, because I'm kind of dipping into lots of different industries and it's so 
heartwarming to to read messages that parents will send me on my social media saying, thank you for being such a great female role model to my daughter or my son absolutely loves your show and wants to try doing this. And that to me is just everything. I mean, you know, I, I got into teaching to have an impact on children and make a difference. And the fact that Amazing Machines is going out to millions of kids is why I wanted to do it. Obviously, you get a lot of feedback from kids. It's been a tough time during lockdown with mental health and stuff, whether you get much exposed to that. Obviously, from your time as a teacher, um, you would have been day-to-day involved. Have you seen a shift over that? And and do programmes like yours play a part and help? Is there things that you can do that you do 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 um in terms of supporting young people talking openly about these subjects empowering parents to be more engaged and more aware of of their children yeah it's definitely um particularly since lockdown like you say mental health and children's well-being has rocketed to the front of their education probably more so important than their academic lessons um because I know a lot of I still go into schools now um as I've developed stem workshops so stem stands for science technology engineering and mathematics so I'm I'm very much an advocate for for children to taking part in those subjects and going on to careers in that so I still visit schools and speak to teachers and I, I still want to keep a foot in in that mm. door as well because you know I've studied my degree in it and I find it really interesting but they allow time in the school timetable now for children to talk and just be together and to not do anything and to sit and I know a lot of schools are doing things like meditation however that might look in their school and you know things like yoga where children can just stop and think and because we kind of expect it of them that they they get on with this and they understand it far less than we do so it's nice that the education system has acknowledged that children's well-being is very important because they need a good mental health state to be mm. able to go on and be successful in their learning and eventually in their careers I was going to say, because you're doing stuff with, with electric vehicles and yeah. for fifth gear. Fifth yeah, gear. and yeah. Vicky Butler-Henderson is another female presenter on there and I've worked with other female presenters as well. So I feel like I've been in a very fortunate position that I've I've met other females on the TV side mm. of things. I just really want more females on the, the racing side of yeah, things. Yeah, no, it would be um, lovely, wouldn't it? But, do, you but, feel, yeah. but, do you feel there's expectation on you both, you know, when you turn up, on the show or or at Fifth Gear, that is there this perception that because you're in it, you should be really good at it and being average at it oh, isn't pressure. necessarily mm. enough. The pressure because Anna comes into Moto Three and think, well, she's the only woman, so she should win it. Mm. You know, and if she's not winning it, then it mm. just proves that women aren't good enough to do it. Yeah. You know, which is a weird, bizarre yeah. mindset because it's about the pool of riders and talent yeah. coming through. No, I totally hear what you're saying. I I do feel like that. But I don't know if that's other people putting that pressure on me or I'm putting that pressure on myself. I guess, yeah, I guess it's a mindset. I think we all feel, I mean, whenever I do a TV show, I always feel... 
yeah, I suppose is the presenter. To, yeah, well, yeah. Because girls get judged a lot different uh, by by men in in male dominated industries. I think I think there's definitely even even in the you know the most diverse and welcoming environment. There's still going to be that guy that's a bit of a dick or or that's you know that's, that can't handle that a woman's better than him yeah you know like I, I, yeah. when I when I opened my shop in Spain I had a a, a woman she was the fabric she was the welder and she could weld better than any guy I've ever seen like just absolutely amazing and she used to she was Danish and she used to work on a shipyard in, in Denmark and that's how she learned to weld she did her she came up like shipbuilding and um and when she was you know she was the only young blonde girl in a shipyard full of men in Denmark and she made it out she was like I had to be the best welder in the because they just make fun of me all mm. day long and they mm. just always and this was like you know this is going on 30 odd years ago mm. so it was the you know male chauvinistic kind of attitude in a shipyard back then was you know that was kind mm. of the norm and and so she thought well the only way I can stop this is to be better than all of these men. Mm. So she just, you know, focused and, and, and trained as hard as she could and became the best welder in the shipyard. Mm. And then they, they, they couldn't say anything because all she could just turn around and go, well, look or, at your welds, mate. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. you should probably practice a bit more, yeah, you know? Yeah, Um But I think, yeah, t- in, today it's kind of, hopefully, you know, it's it's a lot less Yeah. for, for females. It, it, it is heading in the right direction. I mean like I say with amazing machines I've dipped into so many industries and we have turned up to shoots where they're a bit like well is she going to be able to do that or you know <laughs> well you know well, the, t- the time is this and you know she really needs to be able to do this before she can do it and it's all very like well let me have a go a and like you know, yeah a little bit but Helen got that quite a bit as well <laughs> Helen was quite funny. We we went to Goodwood. We were filming at Goodwood. And it was me, Jimmy, and Helen. And me and Jimmy used to, we just, we'd always piss ourselves because you'd see these guys come up like, mm. yeah. right? And then there'd be Helen like in the bonnet of some car or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, we're like, and just revving it up and we're kind of checking things and Hell's is under the bonnet. And some guy had come up and he'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? Well, you know, shouldn't you be at home, you know, uh, you know, cooking some cakes or oh something. You know, God. some typical bullshit. It's so old, and that joke. Well, that and, and so, it's usually old people. And, and then, and then the well. thing is, like me and because Helen, she used to get quite a bit. You know, mm. and especially the, like places like Goodwood, where it's like a bit more old school, like older mm. kind of crowds. Mm. And um, and so me and Jimmy, we we knew what was coming. We just laugh. We just walk away. Have fun with that one, mate. Yeah. And she'd be like, come out of the bar and she'd be like, listen here, you. And she'd just give it, like, just yeah. give it to him, right? Good and these guys would be like, holy shit, what have we done? Yeah. Me and Jimmy would just sit behind the car just laughing. Mm. <laughs> and she'd come back. She'd like, I told them pricks, didn't I? And they'd yeah. be like walking off with their heads yeah. between their tails. But. Yeah. Um, so you're doing the, um, the fifth gear thing with the EV mm. and driving electric cars and... It's kind of a grown-up thing now, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? So it's a different, you have to take a different approach, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And, well, I, I find with that it's just a lot more statistics and numbers. Because obviously, well. yeah, adults mm. want mm. to know, well, how many brake horsepower has it got and what does it do, how many miles does it do? And, you know, we wouldn't, wouldn't say any of that to kids because they're not bothered. They just want to know what noise does it make? It's kind of a car review show, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have been doing a lot of, like, electric car reviews before the fifth gear stuff and that I think that kind of led into then the whole What were you doing that on the side? 
Um, just, just with what, like YouTube, YouTube channels and, stuff, and or, or yeah. just what people were asking you to come and review it or yeah. you were seeking it out yourself. Yeah, or? so I've done a lot of presenting for a channel called Driving Electric, which is just an all-electric all, all platform. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want any advice or news mm. about electric vehicles, then, you know, they have a platform on YouTube and online. Um, so I usually find it sort of 35, 40-year-olds plus, you know, I seem to be the most negative about electric. And they go, well, yeah, yeah. but it'll only do 300 miles. And, you know, I couldn't live with that. Yeah. And you go, well, when do you ever do 300 miles in a day? A really good example I found of that about being a woman amongst a load of men was I went to a trials bike school, if you like, and yeah. just had a, had a go. And they had a range of electric trials bikes there and geared bikes. And the instructor was kind of gauging what kind of experiences everyone got to suit them to the right mm. bike. And there was a young lad there, say probably a teenager maybe, and uh, he's like, yeah, I've never, never ridden bikes before. You know, I'm just here to have a bit of fun, give it a go. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've been riding on the road for years. And, and, and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. Right, well, we'll put you on the electric bike then. And we'll put this lad who's never ridden a bike before on, on the, the petrol. geared <laughs> petrol bike. I'm like, am I reading too much into it? Or is that because I'm a woman and I need to go on the bike that doesn't have gears, even though I've been using gears since I was 16? Yeah. <laughs> and this poor lad, bless him, you know, he's never used a clutch before in his life. So he's like constantly stalling poor it thing. and like... Yeah, <laughs> and not enjoying it. But I'm not saying totally, that I wouldn't stall it, totally but, you know, wrong. it's just... <laughs> But that's the whole point of that of that electric bike it's is to, is to yeah, give yeah. someone yeah, yeah. the accessibility, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and that and and you've got so much else to think about, let alone yeah, changing let alone gear. That, that is one great yeah. thing about electric motorcycles. It it it, it is a, le a lot less daunting for somebody that with no experience getting but, onto something. Mm. But it can be even more dangerous because they are. You know, they're 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 yeah, zero to hero in like well no, no seconds yeah, yeah, as but well. If if, if it's on if yeah, it's yeah. on sport if mode on. or whatever. But but the great thing about those electric trials bikes is that is that you've got different modes, so you can buy one for the whole family. So you yeah, can yeah. buy this one and you put it on as an ATCC, mm. which can be, even be restricted even more, so mm. that the kike hasn't got the possibility to yeah, yeah, yeah. to make a mistake. And and then and then the the parent can jump on it and. Put it on full power yeah, and, yeah. And, and and off you go. So it's it's a it's an economy thing as well. Mm, mm. You clearly you know, feel a, a sense of responsibility, I guess, in in your role. And you know, as as anybody in in the media has, they have an opportunity to to change perceptions, to to educate and, and empower and inspire yeah. other people. Yeah. Um, obviously, having worked with kids, how can we all? be allies and when I'm not doing this I work in rugby for a rugby club as well and and I speak a lot with the women's we've got some of the women's players play with us and I love women's rugby because I think it's A, it's wonderfully empowering I think it's an amazing sport for people of any gender, size, shape there's a, there's a place for everyone and you know the big thing in, in, in women's rugby at the moment is giving them an, an equal platform giving them opportunity showcasing them for what they can do not trying to compare them to men, but us as men being allies to them and and helping lift them up. You know, mm. you're doing an amazing job on the amazing machines, you know, show showing young girls that you can ride these machines and you know, anything's possible and it doesn't matter what 
what gender you are. You can still go and ride an S1000RR probably quicker than most men would ride it. Um, is there a huge responsibility you feel? Do you take that very seriously? And, and what else can we all do, the listeners and everyone, just to educate ourselves and, and create more support and more opportunity for, you know, I've got two daughters. I want them to be able to do anything they want mm. in life, mm. regardless of the fact they're women. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is like you've already said, but I think it, whatever community you belong to you always want to portray that in the best way possible so I suppose for what people can do is is that it is just listening it's being fair it's being kind you know and having that equal platform but also acknowledging that you do belong in that community you know because I'm proud to be a woman I don't I'm not saying I'm a, a human do you know what I mean you still wear that cape with pride but it's also being spoken to and being looked at in an equal way as well yeah interesting I was doing this triumph experience day thing in Wales uh, off-road thing and, and there, there were invited lots of influenzas along and 10 years ago or 12 years ago 15 years ago if I was on a bike launch or, or doing something like that it would be all men mm. and when I and in the last year or so that I've been, or a couple of years that I've been going to these things, you know, it's more and more girls are coming along. And 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 yesterday, for example, it was fifty fifty, all banging riders and 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 That's all having you know a great time and experiencing and being able to mm. show people. And you know, some people, men and women, were worried about being off road on a big bike. Which is which is worries lots of people, mm. and and by the end of it, they're all going, oh god, I, I think I I wouldn't mind one of these twelve hundreds. Yeah. So it, it's it's. But that's why I think, I it's, think it's still great that you yeah. see that. But I think it's just great that like they're there, like regardless of whether a woman is good or not, you know, she's still there doing it. And yeah, you've got to be the start line, otherwise, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, exactly. you're never in it. Are yeah, you? so yeah, women in any kind of part that they do in their motorcycle journey is is great because it's, it. it's just getting more women into the industry and I think like you say it is heading in the right direction. I think there's a lot behind that as well isn't there? There's, there's opinions there's you know cultural shifts but there's also you know even small things like clothing and we've seen a growth in young people not just women getting into motorcycling now because because the clothing's changed you know yeah, you don't just have cool. to wear a one piece leather yeah. suit mm. to ride a bike you can wear you know, cool looking clothes, you can mm. feel comfortable, you can reflect your own personality, mm. customizing a bike and then wearing the clothes Absolutely. to I mean, match I think, you know, for women, clothes that fit, that are made yeah. for women to ride in. Yeah, exactly. Such a recent change, but such mm. an important one. That means that I think a lot of women think, I'd like to go riding, but the clothes don't fit, I don't feel mm. comfortable in it, I don't feel confident in myself. It used to be and, kind of like an afterthought, didn't it? Yeah. Really? Mm. It like, but now oh, it's... Make a jacket. Red Mind you, most, most up until recently, most motorcycle clothes, male or female, were awful. Were afterthought most yeah. of the time, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, you go to, you go, even now, it makes me, fills me with horror that you go to a motorcycle show and, you know, some person's bought a, you know, 18, 20,000 pound adventure bike or sports bike or whatever and they'll go and buy a 48 quid helmet and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. some horrendous, camouflage trousers <laughs> you know it's unbelievable you know and then and then when they do go down the road they can't understand why their clothes have caught light because yeah, yeah. it's nylon you know and there's no protection whatsoever so I, I hate that part of it all yeah yeah you know? but I suppose the, the longer you are in the industry you get to know 
what's the wear, good stuff yes, and what's course. the not good and stuff. And what's good stuff for you and what you like Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like a good haircut or something, you know. <laughs> You've got to try it out to know, haven't you? Yeah. There's <laughs> nothing better than walking out the door with a good haircut, is there? It's like when we were young, when I was young, one of my friends came off and uh, he, he was wearing jeans and he went to the hospital and they had to take a stainless steel wire brush and get all of the jean material out of his leg with a wire brush. Yeah, um, but when he went down the road, he looked good. Yeah, yeah. he looked, looked so That's cool. why I would say fashion first, <laughs> safety second. So, yeah. If so you're going to skid down the road, at least you're, you're thinking, this really hurts, but I look great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I learned to like, you know, yeah, no sure, start, start wearing some proper gear. Mm. But I've, I've found that turmoil my whole motorcycling career, yeah. that safety and fashion, butting heads like, oh, I like the look of that one. But, but that one. But at least, yeah. at least here safety. you can wear you can wear lots of gear, and it's not too hot. For example, like I've I've spent twenty years in Spain, in southern Spain. So, it, you know, ninety percent of my riding career has been in Spain. So mm. probably seventy percent of that was in jeans and a t shirt and a and you know, like a skull cap when I was always riding Harleys. I didn't. Well, then you I didn't were lucky, have. A, so, I didn't. Yeah, no, you know, completely lucky. And, and it wasn't until my best friend crashed and died that. I started wearing proper helmets and gloves and and leather jackets. Oh, um, God. But, but yeah. it's a shame it took you that Let's long to realize that. But, but yeah. still, like I, I still find it like when I go back to Spain, I I really find it hard to wear a big leather jacket in in you know forty degree. But it's not, so much, options, it's not so much about know. the leather. I mean, there's safety, a lot more. Safety is 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 you know the fundamentals are, are your head because mm. you can't fix that. And your um, hands and your hands and your ankles. I was out cold for. God knows, had 20, 18 hours, mm. 19 hours and brain bleeds and all that kind of, st- and, and and head swells and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and had I not been wearing a helmet. You'd been dead. Oh, easily, God. you know. So, yeah. so, so, I, so I think it's so important. Or wearing a cheap yeah. helmet. You know, especially it's, if you're going to be on telly, you've got to, you know, you got to wear the right thing. The amount of times I, I, the amount of complaints that happened when I was doing Long Way Up, we, we did on electric bikes uh, up through South America. And then there was one bit, I wasn't wearing gloves. And, mm. and, and that's the one bit people, Oh, I can't believe you weren't uh, wearing gloves. They you know. literally don't miss a trick. We filmed a, a few electric bikes for the latest series of Fifth Gear and I was wearing like armoured jeans and an armoured jacket, but it, it you know, it's supposed look to like, look yeah. like casual wear. Yeah, and that's the fashion, and, that's the way forward. You know, it's people are like, oh, you're not wearing the right things. And it's like, well... I, I can give you the item mm. numbers for every item you. Well, you see. almost have it's, to if you're wearing jeans. But, you almost have to. You almost have to. As you're in the TV show, you yeah. almost have to say, "Look, I know these look like jeans, mm. but you know." Yeah. And, but and, they don't miss a trick, and that's like we've been filming sometimes, and you know, a guy will ride by on his bike with like a t-shirt, and yeah, I think he had like a Halloween mask on or something, and you know, he's up and down the pavement, like obviously messing about. And I'm like, what is he doing? Because that just gives bikers a bad yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. Because every biker yeah. does that then. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, no, we don't. That guy's just being a bit. Well, of a that's tool. kind of that's kind of how the DGR kind of started. Really, it was a how a was like, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool to change the image of mm. motorcycle in you know, a bikers worldwide? Mm. You know, because you in Australia, it was like, you know, we'd ride by with ten bikers, and and everyone would look at you, and go, oh, look at these, you know. Well, they whatever. and well, Australia was slightly different as well because they had these. They had one the one stage that was this big. Everything was in Sydney or Melbourne. I can't it remember. There was this big biker gang thing, and and there was a lot of, lot of violence 
at that stage. And that's when the 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 government sort of said that you can't ride in, in groups of more than three or something like yeah. that because oh, really? because it it scared people oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. because of a small amount of mm. people and so it's like in any society isn't it that that is that, that still in place no, no no it's it's kind of changed it, it's the the fine line with biking is it because one of the things you know, biking is a subculture and one of the things that often appeals is that Rebellion. feeling that yeah that that rebellion the freedom the not being you know the joys of motorcycling is you don't have to conform to the majority of other road users i.e car drivers you can filter you can Bit get of an around outlaw. you don't get stuck in yeah. traffic you, you're operating slightly on the fringes and that's quite appealing to a lot of people but it's that line between that having that freedom and, and operating there and mm. being, breaking the law well breaking the law being yeah Blatantly just being breaking the law well, you know, you know being Larry driving without responsibility and just becoming a bit of a, a, a public nuisance. nuisance. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the perception of that is if you cross that line, because I love riding in like big groups of bikes. It's mm-hmm. cool. It feels mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. But you see people looking at you and they're going, oh, there's a big bunch of bikers. You're like, but then sometimes you kind of like that because like I'm with my tribe and you're all just watching us and we're, we, you know, that's why this podcast called The Nod, because we know. I think that I, image I think has that's changed changing. I, I mean, in the last five or six years, I think that has really changed. Uh, people, uh, and, and the way people look on bikes is very much different. So it's much yeah. less, yeah. it's much, it's, it's less, less um, tassels, it's less, uh, less leather, it's less, less what's the word, it's less threatening. Yeah. Because of the way people dress now. That's because mm-hmm. the way things mm-hmm. has been portrayed in, yeah. you know, in movies, movies and stuff. Yeah. So what's going on there? So you're doing the Electric of the Fifth Gear. You've just said you just finished mm-hmm. filming. Uh, is, is there another series of, of The Amazing Machines? Well, a new series has just gone out on BBC iPlayer, so oh, well, you can you find go. that there. All right. There will be a new series of Fifth Gear Recharged, which I'm glad to hear because I feel like the electric world is just getting going oh, and it's yeah, developing it's even infancy. more. And, yeah. yeah, so there's still loads to talk about with regards to cars, bikes, and HGVs and all sorts that are going electric. So that will be upcoming soon as well on Discovery Plus. Wow. Great. Gosh. Grace, it's been an absolute joy to have you join us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, it's been inspiring. Carry on doing the amazing work that you're doing, inspiring young kids and young girls. Um, I'm right behind you. Anything that we can do here to help keep pushing that forward because um, I want my girls to turn out as cool as you, oh, um, frankly. Thank you. Any racing planned? Any fun bike trips? You need to come and you need come, to come and join some us bike trips with Mile. us. Yeah, come to the Malay Mile. That would be amazing. In, it's yeah. your, your manor, Crimsthorpe yeah. Castle. Yeah. It's just down yeah, the road. Definitely. So you'll have to come along to that. Join us in the commentary booth. Yeah, thank you. It's loose. <laughs> it's loose as a goose, but it's good fun. You don't want to be in the commentary booth. Come, come and visit. I'll look yeah, after yeah, you. Yeah, keep keep you away bit, from yeah. them. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Nod, a mindful motorcycle podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this week's amazing episode. Do make sure you subscribe to get your alerts when the next show is released. Head over to our webpage where all links to previous episodes can be found www.motorcyclenews.com forward slash the nod don't forget to buy your nod coffee to drink whilst listening to next week's episode links can be found on our social pages we'll be back next week with another guest from the wide world of motorcycling join us next time and until then stay safe be kind and check in with a mate